0: November is upon us, which means we're finally going to get some action here with this team. I, I would expect we're going to see all of our decisions made on uh, Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks. Again, I, I think the two of us are in agreement. I think an awful lot of uh, smart baseball people. There was, a, there was a national poll recently that came out where they were like asking, like, what should this team do with this player? What should this team do with this player? And the majority of people were like, I don't know why they're picking up Tim Anderson's option here when it's in a year that they're not actually competing. I think most people see that Hendricks should be spread out over to 10 years and let go, and that TA's money can be used for something else because the goal is really being competitive in 2025, and, and why would you sit around Ed? and wait and see whether or not he becomes valuable enough for you to trade him for something when you can just use the money to go buy what you need right now. So I think in November here, we're going to start to see some movement and we're going to start to see what direction Chris gets and his new front office intends to take the White Sox in.
1: Yeah, and and we got to, I think, as the action is unfolding, this is going to be the hard part for White Sox fans. and, and, And we've seen comments about what we said about the Rangers and how the Sox could follow that model and, and we you know we know how disheartened White Sox fans are because of years of, of what the front office for the White Sox had done, but we, you gotta understand Kenny Williams is gone, right? That was a Kenny Williams front office and he goes back a very long time, that, that's 20 years pretty much, of Kenny Williams running the front office for the Chicago White Sox, that is over. And I know Chris Goetz was part of that group, but he has brought in guys from the outside, right? And so I I think it's going to be hard for us to have an open mind and, and dare I say, an open heart towards Chris Goetz and the White Sox front office as they're they're making decisions, as they're looking at the free agent market, as they're looking at the trade market, as they're trying to evaluate what they have in young players, and, and just give them a chance to show us that they are different and that they can do things differently, because I do think that there's a lot to be said about Jerry Reinstorf and the way he's always run things and, and the way he's, a, you know, he throws nickels around like manhole covers uh you know, something he learned from other owners in this town, but there's, there's something to be said about also sitting there saying is Chris gets and, and, you know, gets Barfield and, and are these guys smart enough to look at veterans that are out there and say, this guy can help us in 24 and he can help us in the future. Or sit there and say, this is a cheap player that's a bridge player to something that we think we've got down here in the minors that we're going to be able to, to do, you know, bridge to Colson-Montgomery, for example. Or is it something where they can sit there and say, we know what we've got going into 2025, and we're actually going to hold back some money here. We're going to we're gonna not spend now because we're targeting this free agent down here, and, you know, this is the way it got sold to the chairman is, is that, you know, you're going to have a down year this year, but we're going to bank this money and we're going to spend it next year, and he's already signed off on it. Are they thinking that far ahead? I don't think Sox fans will believe it until we see it. I don't think we will actually dare to have a spark of hope until we can see it. And, you know, I'm fully ready to have my feelings hurt and stomped on and and have my heart ripped out of my chest and shattered on the floor and other poetic ways of saying that. A team that I follow very, very closely and that I I, I have dedicated a part of my life to – is going to just you know take a dump on my pillow.
0: In the end, all Chicago sports franchises are run like the simulation mode of a sporting game on my Sega Genesis the the moves just make absolutely no sense. I saw the Bears Zero sense. I saw the Bears went out and gave up a second round draft pick for a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of this uh, at the end of the season. And and their season's already lost. And so you just kind of go, "Huh?" But then you're like, "Well, it's Chicago." And uh this is just how we do things. It, it's just really really stupidly. This episode of Socks in the Basement and every episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Cork and Carey at the park, 33rd in Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark. 2 for 1 burgers when you dine in on Mondays. Uh especially now because during NonSax home games uh, that is their special they got a rotation of craft beers familiar favorites spirits and wines and stop in and see them at the original location in Beverly 10614 Southwestern Avenue a great place to hang out both locations and you can see more at corkandcarry.com uh, look i i'm just amazed that we had an episode come out over a week ago and you know i put it up on the social media and eventually, what happens is the new episodes come out, and people stop commenting on the older ones. But the one where I compared the Sox, their payrolls, the Rangers, their payrolls, and how the Rangers flip things around has really struck a nerve with the angry White Sox fan. And, and I get the angry Which White is Sox. A lot fan. of
1: the angry a lot of the White Sox fans are the angry ones. But I get
0: that right. Like you have every right to be sure. angry. You have oh, yeah. every. Every right to feel like you got punched in the gut so many times over the last couple of years that you just don't trust anyone. I understand it. I don't trust him either. Like Chris Gets wasn't my choice. I, I, you know, I don't know what Jerry Reinsdorf is actually going to allow him to do with his pocketbook. I do, though, look at the amount of money that's been spent in competitive years by the owner, by the chairman over there, and I do look at how the money was allocated, and I am more apt to believe that Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn fell in love with guys that they traded for guys that they had in their system, guys that they believe were going to prove they were the smartest guys in the room, instead of going out and getting proven players like a Corey Seager. And, and it's the number one comment on that show a week or so ago is the idea that the Sox would never have gone and gotten Corey Seager because they wouldn't have invested that kind of money. No, the money was there. The money was just spent badly. And I I think that's the thing. Like the only hope we have for Chris Getz is that he's smarter in terms of allocating his funds, because the amount of money that was spent on bullpen and stopgap players that were added in by Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, that money there would have easily paid for that player. The money given to Yoan Moncada to eat up arbitration years and have him long term—that that, you know, last year, this year, next year, well, all these all these seasons—that money is comparable to the money given to guys like Seeger and Simeon. So it's not that they weren't willing to spend the money. They just spent the money in the wrong place. Now, look, Getz gets in there, and we start hearing that he just doesn't have an opportunity. Even though the payroll is dropping, he just doesn't have the opportunity to sign those things, and I'll start believing it. But what I saw is a team that actually spent money, just spent the money poorly. And so that's my only hope as a White Sox fan is that you're going to spend the money wisely. Look, I would rather talk about realistic things like them spending the money wisely with a new general manager and a new front office that he brought in an awful lot of guys from outside because he didn't like the inside voices and hope and cling to the hope that that means something's going to be done differently than sit around and try to, I don't know, spend an entire show telling you why I think Gavin Sheets can still be something. You know, I know everybody's reaching for content over the last 30 days because the White Sox are out of it. But I think it's far more realistic to talk about the fact that they could be a contender in 25 and they could turn it around like the Rangers because they do still have enough money to be able to go and do that. They're going to have a ridiculous amount of payroll flexibility when 25 rolls around and they're going to see money start to come off the books right now. And there's a lot that a very smart general manager can do. I just don't know if Chris Getz is a smart general manager that remains to be seen.
1: Well, and okay, so he, here's some factual stuff that we can look at and sit there and say that yes, they are willing to or that Jerry is 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 at least willing to entertain length of contract and and dollar amount, right? We know that the there was just a, a massive mishandling when it came to them offering Bryce Harper and Manny Machado contracts. They didn't offer Harper anything. And Machado, they got too cute with it, right? There there was hedging of bets. If Manny doesn't do this, well, then it's going to be a team-friendly contract. But if he does this, then it's going to be fine and we're going to reward him. And we really think we have the best contract out there because it could be worth the most amount.
0: And we have all of his friends and family and everything else. We're bringing out all these people that aren't very good baseball players, but Manny likes to hang out with them. And and that,
1: that whole thing aside, too. You know, there was fundamentally there, there was a long-term commitment to Manny Machado available in that contract, and you, you've seen them sign Benintendi for five years, right? Next year, they're going to be giving $25 million, right, to, uh, to Joan Moncada. They, they're willing to put the money on the player, okay? It's just, like you said, it's a question of where is that money going and does it belong where it's going? And also, if, you, if you've got a payroll that's going to be middle of the pack or lower, and you know, even if you're in the in the upper half of it, but you're not amongst the elites, you're not amongst the guys that are pushing the luxury tax, you've got to be able to manage money coming off and money coming back on and figure out when that all makes sense. Rick did a little bit of that with Jose Abreu, but he vastly overestimated Andrew Vaughn's readiness to be a major league contributor and to take the guy's place, right? He vastly overestimated what Gavin Sheets was in terms of being the left-handed thunder and and you know, even if you look at Vaughn and Sheets as a bit of a platoon, what he and now Chris gets, what he has to do is he has to sit there and say, Okay, the Rangers, following that model, decided that up the middle was important. Mitch Garver, Corey Seager, Marcus Semyon. That's where they invested big dollars in terms of free agent position players. Tell me why the White Sox can't do that. I don't know that it's going to be signing Corey Seager and Marcus Semien in the same offseason. I don't know if the Sox are going to have that chance.
0: No, they, the, the Rangers pounced when there was an opportunity and, and the those positions were flooded and they pounced at the absolute right time. And so that's again, why you don't build in one year. In the offseason from 24 to 25, that's not the only year you go out there because you need everything to fall perfectly. You start building now. You You are building now for opening day of 2025 you can't make massive changes at a company overnight either you can get started though right away let's say you're thinking about adding health insurance to your company helping out your employees giving them another reason why they should stay with you or you want to take a look at what you're currently doing because trust me you're probably overpaying You have insurance right now that you're giving to employees they're not using. Meanwhile, there's things they would use if you would just adjust the plan for them. They'd be happier. You wouldn't be wasting as much money. Open enrollment is going on right now. You can make changes in the now and you can really make changes for next year. Large group, small group, private insurance, retirement, medical. If you individually are trying to take a look at changing things around with your healthcare, taking more ownership of it, Butch Zemar at Elite Benefits of America has the Elite Benefits playbook. It's free. He's going to take a look at your situation. He's going to lay out all of the options. Go with the experience of Butch Zemar and Elite Benefits of America, a great friend of the show. Give him a call. 708-535-3006. Don't wait another year. Give Butch a call or check out EliteBenefits.net. I want to talk about Rob Manfred. I want to talk about his comments at the World Series. You know, you get the commissioner in front oh, of a Rob. microphone uh, around the World Series. And there's some there's some interesting things that he said that I think impact the White Sox. And the first thing that impacts not only the White Sox, but all of Major League Baseball is the idea that they're they're hoping to having the automated strike zone by 2025. If if you read his comments if they can get it right and they feel like they've gotten it pretty damn close to this point, they're going to go automated strike zone at 25. And if they're going to do that like they do in the minor leagues where a computers making the calls, first of all, Angel Hernandez will die an umpire because they'll never get rid of him now. I mean, what they else?
1: They'll have no reason to get rid of him. Well, no,
0: he'll screw up things on the base paths, but he at least won't be screwing up behind the plate. Well, we are talking
1: about the guy who cost someone a perfect game. By calling a guy who was out by a full step safe. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, he's a, he's an awful umpire. But but you're gonna have you're gonna also have a new way of looking at the catcher position because the idea that framing matters goes right out the window. Framing will mean nothing. Framing is is completely discounted now at this point because a computer is going to decide whether or not the ball passed through a cube that is over the plate and that's at the height that it needs to be at and inside the plate parameters and it's going to read it and it's going to indicate to the umpire whether or not it was a ball or a strike. Doesn't matter where the catcher's glove is going to move anymore. So now what you're back to is does a guy have a good pop time? Can he block the plate? And, and is he is he a good game caller? And can he hit? And so if you're evaluating your catchers as though what has made them valuable over the last 10 years still, then you're doing your team a disservice. After those comments, the rankings internally of everybody's group of catchers in their system should have changed because framing means nothing anymore. If in 25 we're getting an automated strike zone, which it really sounds like we're getting when you hear him talk about it, I at this point don't care so much about the framing anymore. While I'm building a team in Major League Baseball,
1: no, what I want is I want a guy with soft hands. I want a guy. What I don't want is I don't want Zach Collins, who who you know used to uh, he'd he'd you throw him a fastball and it pop out of his glove, right? How many times do we see that when he was catching Dylan Cease or a guy that had you know a decent amount of rotation on his pitches, where he's sitting there, you know, pop, you know, and then the ball's dribbling away from him. We, that we don't want, right? What you want is you want a guy who can move behind the plate, can block pitches, can keep pitches from getting past him, and offensively can contribute. And that was always, I think, I don't think that changes in terms of figuring out what offensively they can contribute. But being able to move behind the plate and, like you said, the pop time, which is how fast can they get a throw off to gun a runner down, which is more important now that you're limiting how many times a pitcher can disengage. And we, we've you know, we talked about that a number of times too, where having the arm and having the pop time is way more important. I think that's what it's going to be, right? You're looking for a guy behind the plate who's got a cannon, who moves pretty well, and then can contribute offensively. And game calling, I think, is, is going to be something that comes back into vogue when you're talking about especially older catchers and what they can bring to it because – if they can handle the pitching staff on their own, you don't have as many mound meetings and stuff like that. They've made it very difficult, but if you have a catcher who can sit there and call a good game and can game plan very well, you're, you're, you're arguably in much better shape than worrying about someone who has spent all these years learning how to pitch frame if they don't know how to do those other things. So what I'm looking for out of Corey Lee and Edgar Caro is can they catch the ball can they move around behind the plate? What's their pop time? And then secondarily, I'm looking for them to sit there and say, okay, do these guys understand how to handle the pitching staff in terms of calling the game and calling for each pitcher? And then obviously you want some sort of offensive output from them. But catcher, I think historically has always been a position where with the exception of a few elites, a lot of times guys are pretty pretty mediocre at the plate. You put up with them because of the game calling. You put up with them because... Of you know what they can do to uh, you know prevent runs on the base paths and things like that. So it's almost going to be looking at catchers the way they would have looked at them 20 years ago, where framing wasn't really a metric that we we looked at, and you were still talking about a guy being behind the plate who was going to be that guy that threw guys out like you know automatic, and you know we're, were able to sit there and say, okay, I can catch anyone anytime anywhere, and I can call. What I need to call because I understand the hitters and I understand what they need, what needs to be done
0: on the mound. What I want the White Sox to do is I want them to be forward thinking here. This isn't official yet, and you know teams are likely not going to react very quickly to it because they're planning for a twenty twenty four run. But the White Sox really aren't planning for a twenty twenty four run. So you don't know if Edgar Carroll's is going to be ready in twenty five. You don't know what your catching situation is going to be if there's somebody out there right now. It's going to be available to you either in free agency or you can acquire them because they're not valued as much who becomes more valuable because they're a terrible framer and that's going to go away in 25 before thinking make that move now get that person onto your 40 man now for the next couple of years because you'll see the impact when this changes and again I think this is going to change based upon the commissioner's comments I think this is coming I think it's inevitable I think the major league baseball is just sick of the fact that everybody's got a million camera angles and their own pitch by pitch thing online shows their umpire's errors. Like like here's the thing their own system at mlb.com while you're following gameplay shows you that the umpire blows the call. Like they don't want that. That's not good. That's not good for the product. That's not good. And and people are in love with technology now. And so they, they want this change. This is coming. And you, again, this is the advantage of of being a realist when it comes to your team. If Chris gets is a realist when it comes to his team and he knows the goal is to have a competitive team opening day of 2025 and and he can start building it now and maybe add a little bit of excitement in 24 and maybe have some people that we enjoy seeing when we go out to the ballpark during the 81 home games that we're going to see over at the rate, but he can start building it now Knowing what the rules are in 25, knowing what he needs in 25, understanding his payroll flexibility in 25, understanding who's going to be available as a free agent in 25, maybe looking at the midpoint next year at the trade deadline and thinking to himself, can I make a move like, you know, grabbing Freddie Garcia in 04 at the trade deadline because you really were trying to grab him long term and then that worked out for you in 2005. That's got to be the mentality inside the front office, and they've got to be paying close attention to when Rob Manfred is making comments like that. Ed and I had a lot of long discussions about these things over the weekend. Sunday, we were at Hailstorm Brewing Company in Tinley Park, the official brewery of Socks in the Basement. We ate at the kitchen, opened for lunch at 11 a.m., Spent the afternoon sitting around talking White Sox. I had a flatbread. He had the pretzel sticks, which are cheddar topped, and then they come with hot beer cheese. And trust me, if you've never seen Ed, you can hear in his voice, the man likes cheese upon cheese. He stuck to the Southside Irish Red. I did some rotating of beers, though, because I like to have the high ABV ones. So Crash Test dummy is out right now. It's a Belgian triple, 10.3%. Five stars out of five. The 2023 barrel-aged Vlad Oatmeal Cookie Russian Imperial Stout. Have one. If you have two, you're probably going to fall off your bar stool. In between, though, I was working in the ESB. You don't find that British style of beer at most breweries, especially on the south side. Pub Life is the one you should check out. That's the ESB at Hailstorm. Get in and check out that great German beer hall, Hailstorm Brewing Company, Tinley Park, 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue, Seymour at hailstormbrewing.com. Another thing that Manfred was talking about as well, the Olympics in 28. Like, they really want Major League Baseball players to participate in the Olympics, even though it would happen in season. And Manfred's doing a good job of sidestepping the question. It would be bad for the game. I don't want to see a shortened schedule. I don't want to see baseball take three weeks off. I don't care how the U.S. does in the Olympics because I watch the U.S. every four years compete in the World Baseball Classic you already have a competition every four years where everybody fights for their country. You don't need it to be in the Olympics, especially when the majority of the world doesn't care about baseball, folks. They really don't. This is not their sport, right? There are some some places that like it and some that don't. I don't see any benefit to Major League Baseball interrupting their season, messing with their players, somebody getting injured in a in a game for the Olympics, and I don't see any positive to the idea that that the that the US team or any any nation any national team wins gold in the Olympics at the cost of what major league baseball is doing at the cost of their season at the cost of the 162 which is what I love especially when you have the World Baseball Classic they shouldn't they shouldn't be participating let the amateurs go and participate you want to you want to take a break in the minor leagues okay let those guys go play 40 man roster guys should not be eligible for for the Olympics at all,
1: yeah. But but you're right. Somebody who's not on a 40 man roster, who's not on the taxi squad, so to speak, uh, that could be called up to a major league baseball team. Uh, let them go play. If you want to have some pro players in there, but otherwise, college players, you know, uh, the the unaffiliated minor leagues, those guys. Let them go out and have that showcase. It's it's worked well in the past. You know, there's there's been guys, Jim Abbott and Doug Mankavich come to mind, right? Two guys who had good major league careers, and and some of it was born of what they did in the Olympic Games and and sitting there realizing like, oh, hey, you know, these guys can actually play. The, The idea behind the Olympics was always that, you know, these were not professional athletes. These were not people who did this for a living. So we're not having an exhibition of the best in the world necessarily, but we're having an exhibition of you know, just some really good, driven, young people that were, were trying to do this. And and it really only applied in that regard to baseball, basketball, whatever. It's a different story for the Dream Team to go out there and, and take a bunch of NBA All-Stars and have them go play against the world. That's That was something that was just kind of a special thing. But the idea that you're going to put together an American squad and you're going to allow – Major league rosters to be plucked clean of everybody from all the various countries that they come from to do this. It's like the World Baseball Classic. You're going to have guys get hurt. You're going to have guys who are going to come back and they are going to be misused. You have to shut down baseball.
0: You have to shut down baseball. You're going
1: to you're going to have to completely shut the season down. Right. right? You're going to have to stop a season. There's not going to be a way to ramp this up afterwards. That's the hard part. Is is that when the summer games happens. You're either going to have to start the season late, okay, and have a very truncated season into the fall, after these guys have played, or that's it. Like you're you're going to have to end the season with the summer games because you're going to have to basically have another spring training and then play a few games and then go into the playoffs or whatever. So the 2028 season ends up being a wash.
0: Yeah, it becomes a disaster, Ed. It, it really would be such a stupid idea to have major league baseball players participate. In the Olympics, And again, I don't get it when you have the World Baseball Classic. Major League Baseball has already answered the fact that baseball did not show up in the last several Olympics by creating the World Baseball Classic. I love your idea of letting the amateurs go to it. Let them go showcase themselves. Let me learn the names of some players that, uh, you know, are not part of Major League rosters. Let's find a star on the grandest stage, you know, of the Olympics, I guess. I mean, even though I don't think that the, you know, the Olympics are really not the grand stage for baseball. They're really not like baseball. No. major league baseball is great because major league baseball already has the best in the world coming to it. There's a reason why disgraced or, you know, injured or uh, players that are past their prime or guys that nobody wants in major league baseball. They go to other leagues in other countries and the best of the other leagues come here to America. This is the premier league for this sport. You're already seeing the best play baseball. You're already seeing the best baseball teams play each other. You, you, and so so in, in my mind, you don't need to have an Olympics to, what, reshuffle the rosters? And, and you know, so <laughs> that's all you're doing.
1: Hey, hey, here, you you want to know what? You want to you shortcut this and, and, and figure out who the best teams are? Go ahead and take the World Series winner, okay, the Rangers or the Diamondbacks this year, and then have them go and play a series over in Japan. And the winner of that plays somebody from the KBO. Okay, let's. You want to do it that way? Take the best team from each of the the, the various countries' leagues and have them play in, a, in, a, in an expanded playoffs after the World Series is done. That would be something. Do that every couple of years. Do that every four years. That would tell me something about the state of Major League Baseball and like, do we have the best players?
0: Remember when Bobby Valentine wanted to do this? Remember that he wanted to play the 2005 White Sox? Yeah, he had. <laughs> Wasn't he? A, he, was, he, was, he was like the champions in Japan, right? I want to say that that was right. the league he was in, right? And he wanted to play the White Sox, and people just laughed at him. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, no, no we're not doing that." Yeah,
1: I thought I thought it, it been cool. Yeah, but Major League Baseball happen, would but.
0: never let that happen either. They don't want their champion ever getting beat by somebody else's champion because again, they're at the top of the mountain.
1: But you know, the thing is, is again, you're gonna you're gonna take two weeks out of the month of July, and it, it's going to be it's going to be problematic for everybody to shut Major League Baseball down from the All-Star break all the way through August. Think about how it messes with the trade deadline that year. Think about how you know, you're going to have to change that. You're going to have to have the trade deadline on September 1st because you've got to see how guys come back from playing in the Olympic Games and what what happens. Because what happens if you can't really make a move while the the, the season's on hold, while everyone's playing in the Olympics, and let's say that you have – you know. Uh, you, your top pitcher, let's say Dylan Cease, participates in the Olympics in 2028, he's still with the White Sox somehow, and you are watching him go and all of a sudden he pulls up Lamey, you know, he does that thing, he throws a pitch and he starts shaking the elbow out. And you're like, ah oh, crud, you know exactly what that is. But if, if the White Sox don't have a chance to evaluate him, if they don't have a chance to see, you know, if he can come back and pitch, do they make a blind trade? Or you know if if somebody's made a trade for a player before the deadline there and then they get hurt and they're playing in the Olympics you know I know that that can happen but it's just it, it's just a mess it's too much of a mess to 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 put to put the major league baseball season on hold for that when honestly I would rather I would rather watch the games and wonder if there's another Jim Abbott out there that can can end up getting drafted or signed and then brought straight up to a big club like that or watching to see if there's a you know if there's somebody who is toiling in an unaffiliated minor league system that you know can can make a major league debut later on that year and and be something like Bobby Jenks was to the 2005 Sox where kind of comes off the scrap heap comes out of nowhere and becomes an integral part of a championship team that to me is a much better story than um you know sitting there saying oh, okay you know yeah we put together this all-star rotation of the top pitchers in 2028 whoever that's going to be and they went out and they dominated because they faced Sweden twice in, in round one.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you have some guy who's got like, you know, 10% Swedish blood showing up and playing on Team Sweden. You're like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like that, A
1: guy named Lars Newtbar playing for Japan.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, know. it's weird. It was already weird during the World Baseball Classic. And again, they already have this. They already have this.
1: I don't know. I think the World Baseball Classic stands on its own. Forget baseball in the Olympics. Just because it's in L.A. doesn't mean you have to throw in, you know, the quote-unquote quintessential American sport. Now, what you could do? You could interrupt training camp and have a bunch of NFL players take on the rest of the world in football. That might be fun to watch. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.